0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, the first of New Year 2020. Uh, you find Andrew Sankster, Editorial Director, with me here. Uh, I'm Chris Bound, the Editor at Hotel Analyst. And we're going to talk around three topics that we have uh, looked at in a bit more detail for our perspective readers this week. Uh, We've taken a closer look at these. And the first of them is the fact that there seems to be, despite those doomsayers who convince try to convince us that that the hotel market investment market is is at its peak there seems to be no no shortage of people uh, particularly in institutional investors still uh, keen to get into the space and we've had a flurry of deals in the last few weeks perhaps some of them were you know people trying to get things done before the end of the year perhaps some of them have been unlocked by the uh, the Boris effect the fact that uh, Brexit is now going to get done by brave boris and that's perhaps given people a little bit more confidence that things should be moving again. Um, although, uh, it has to be said, Savills reckon that the volume of inquiries is, is up in the UK to an extent that they're going to see a, a booming first quarter of 2020 as well. So let's look at what's just gone on. Um, amongst the uh, roundup, we had a look at was the big deal where the French investment uh, organisation Cavivio have bought a big portfolio of uh, luxury European hotels, the Bosco Boscolo portfolio, um, for around 570 million euros, uh, and then another big deal in the UK where uh, US investor Marathon Asset Management has exited a stage left, um, having sold £450 million worth of uh, UK-branded hotels to a Thai company called uh, DTGO. They are a conglomerate from Thailand and this is their first investment into Europe. So there's, there's new money coming in as well as established players uh, continuing to up the ante um andrew are you are you surprised are you <laughs> do you think we're just going to see more and more of this as, as as kind of other sectors like retail start to look more and more worrying for him yeah well, i mean i
1: think the tailwinds for hospitality are still very much there um i, I, I think that there's a couple of key things. Well one is this wall of money which is waiting to deploy if you look across the piece there's this record level of uh, uh, fundraising going on. I think Blackstone has just raised the biggest ever fund. Um, You've you've got all this stuff happening so these people are wanting to spend it on something and hospitality is one of the key areas um, that they're wanting to deploy it into. Um, It's one of the areas which is offering reasonable yields not high yields by any historic standards but relative to where bond yields are which is I think you've got to look at um, and bear in mind it's not so much what it is in absolute terms as what it is relative to bond yields and we've still got a situation where um, we've got four sovereigns the the, the Swedish Reichsbank um, actually um, increased its interest rate to zero (laughs) over (laughs) the holiday period Um, so we've technically only got four um, countries now with negative interest rates but in, in real terms most bonds now but um, are, are negative yielding and indeed even some corporate bonds in absolute terms are negative yielding so in a, in a market like that you're going to see actually attractiveness of something which is, is is offering you know a positive number and certainly if you say if you look at this CAVIVIO deal that it's looking pretty good it's it's uh what's it for four point seven percent guaranteed um, yeah with a sort of
0: flexibility of a possible uplift on on stronger performance yeah five point eight
1: percent i mean one of the things that we just to stick with that Cavivio thing i think um is it, it, just how big they have have gone into hotels over the last five years their exposure has doubled and they've now got close to seven billion euros worth of hotels 6.9 um, out of their total property portfolio of 24 billion um, and, and they've become although obviously they've come out of foncier de Mur, foncier de region um, french reit um, they're actually now across 12 european countries and they've got relationships with nearly 20 hotel operators um so um, what we're seeing is this emergence now of a big owning class which i think is going to really shake up the 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 landscape and the further thing i think is worth noting on this is is, um how this could shift the attitude of the global majors because nh really a lot of people including me actually thought (laughs) they were really going to get squished um by the global majors um because they just didn't you know they were in that tricky mid-sized position but they've come out fighting and part of the reason they've been able to do that by using their balance sheet or at least balance sheet exposure they're prepared to take on leases the global major said oh no 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 we're not doing leases mm. but you know they've had to when they want to get the deals done as IHG did with Cavivio with their deal with principal in the uk and um, i think we're going to have to see a lot more of that if the global majors are going to be competitive and are not going to allow the likes of nh to make all the running so i think it's going to be an interesting time over the next few years as these these big owners the likes of convivio but you've also got Accor invest who are going to go beyond Accor you've got the the likes of Pandox Um, they're going to flex their muscles and say look we want a lease and you're going to give us a lease if you want to do a deal with us Um, and so you know unless they're going to rule themselves out of the market the global majors are going to have to play to some extent by having capital exposure. So we're going to see much more flexibility, I think, on this this asset light model. It's going to be, it go back to being a bit more mixed. I'm not suggesting they're going to reverse entirely and move away from asset light, but they're going to have to take on more capital, um, more balance sheet exposure. Mm.
0: Now we're no, we're next going to look at the uh, senior living market. It's a, it's not it's not hotels exactly, but it's buildings with beds, uh, and it's actually a market that a lot of people have been keeping an eye on for quite some while because uh, the demographic graphics tell us that uh, there's plenty more old people about, and right now uh, those of them that are sitting uh, retired in their big rattling around in their big old family homes don't have an awful lot of choice in terms of where they move to next if they want to downsize but there seems to be a lot of players moving into this space and ironically although there's doesn't appear to be much going on there seems to be quite a bit of heavy lifting going on in terms of companies investing in developing retirement villages and new formats and so on Um, and um, we had a look at that this week and end up having a chat with the folks at uh, inspired villages Uh, ironically one of their senior team members tom lord is the, the chief operations officer actually came from ihg from intercontinental so he's an ex-hotelier so uh quite a bit of crossover more than perhaps we expected when we first took a look at this um andrew what do you have to think about the uh the kind of the way this that the, there's money going to this space and the opportunities that are there
1: yeah there's a lot of crossover here i think you, you make a distinction that it, it, in this market uh, care homes is quite specialized care this isn't care homes this is senior living um care homes just you just look at the care home markets it's, it's according to Knight frank it's 477,000 beds in the UK against what 700,000 rooms in the hotel market in the UK. So it's, that care home piece is quite big. This senior living piece is very much emergent. It's much much smaller right now mm. but is fast growing and is offering some of the best returns out there and it's exciting a lot of a lot of players. Um those listeners we have who are as gray as me um in hair color <laughs> at least. Um will recall that of course hoteliers were quite active in this in the senior living space most notably Marriott and they had quite a sizable business they exited back in 2002 um uh, they sold now
0: you are um, making us feel old
1: yes carry on yeah I know I know my oh, blimey it's yeah nearly 20 years ago um 4- 410 million US dollars back then they got for their for that for that senior living stuff they sold on um, um are they going to get back in again well, I don't think so but what we are seeing are are investors who are putting cash into into senior living they're putting cash into actually in, in into uh, care homes as well putting cash into hotels putting cash into service departments into self-storage across that operational real estate space because they're, they're they're understanding that they're getting happy with it and they're just considering you know the what what are we getting for this and it's interesting when you dive into into these other markets they they look so hotel like i mean um, you know care homes so the, that there are just looking at their, their KPIs and they you know they talk about occupancy they talk about what their weekly fee rate are so that's your kind of rev par thing um, they talk about EBITDAM, which is uh, earnings before interest taxes depreciation amortization rent and management fees um, which is just a sort of add-on bit to your EBITDA thing so that profit profitability measure it, it's looking you know it looks very like a sort of a hotel type thing I think senior living in particular it's no surprise I think to find ex-IHG people and we see we see ex-hoteliers dotted around this operational real estate place all over the show because that those kind of skill sets they have which is you know understanding yield management understanding how you deliver um, services how you run public spaces you know hoteliers are amongst the best equipped to do that and I think there's going to be some transfer as well I think hoteliers are going to start learning how to present themselves as Better to real estate investors stop talking about rev pass start talking about profitability per square meter, because that's going to be a key for the future, I think. Yeah, um, and in
0: terms of head count, it's it's you know it's quite it's quite substantial demand for these retirement villages because it's uh, you know one member of staff per six front doors, or um, and and you know you've got to deliver all these support services, whether that's uh, afternoon teas or fitness classes or whatever it is. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to do. I, I, if you get it
1: right i mean there is a little bit um i'm a slightly jumpy about it it's uh <laughs> Um, my my mother-in-law who's, who died a couple of years ago we we bought a place up here in cambridge and we it's taken us ages to flog it and we've taken a we lost over a third of the value we paid for it which is in a boom city like cambridge is bonkers actually but you know there's a bit of a time kind of risk going on here or i think they're slightly being oversold some of the the fees are outrageous etc cetera, etc cetera. um so uh, there, there's a need for regulation and restraint by some of the Players, Um, but I think that that'll come. It's a market which is emergent and is you know it's testing, it's bouncing against the the boundaries of what's acceptable at a bit at the moment. I think that'll settle down and it'll look a very, very um, encouraging market, even once it sort of reigns its wilder fancies in.
0: Now, the third thought of thought set of thoughts this week cover what's going on in the Indian hotel market where uh, things look like they might be set for a slightly more more comfortable, more steady year this this coming year. Uh, although, of course, it all depends on the economy, stupid. Um, but uh, th- th- there's certainly the the prospect of one or two IPOs from uh, local uh, companies, local hotel groups, uh, looking to go to the market to draw in funds to expand faster. Um, that was perhaps something that wasn't being considered a year or two ago when uh, the returns were looking far weaker than they are now. But there still seems to be a little bit of uh, discomfort, a little bit of uncertainty about quite where the Indian economy is going to go I mean it's funny really because they're moaning about the fact that it's going to be only 4 or 5% growth in 2020 whereas here in Western Europe and particularly the UK we'd be quite happy with with one or two um, but uh, is ahead by, by the looks of things so long as the uh, uh, economic situation improves as it is expected to into the second and third quarters of 2020.
1: Mm, I, I I was digging around um for some um, information and on India with and having something useful to say. And I came across a presentation um, given almost a year ago by Paul Slattery. Now, um, uh. he's a principal at Otis & Co and he's a, obviously a hotel analyst um, contributor as well. And he gave a presentation at the IHCL, the, the parent group of Taj, and their Capital Markets Day. And he, he made quite a telling point. He says that India has the, longest, the largest long-term potential of any country in the world (laughs) if it if it matches the u.s ratio of citizens per hotel room so if it were to match that you know so how um citizens per hotel room if it got to the level of the us it would need 20 million more hotel rooms so that just gives you a sense of the opportunity that's there because that depends on what's got to happen is the indian economy has to grow like billio and has to um develop so that because um, obviously if 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 you're a peasant out there in the fields you ain't going to be booking into whatever hotel you like even an oyo um, <laughs> Um, so you, you you know you've you, you've got to have economic development yeah. to do that and you know the I think the signs are good there and you've mentioned there's a little bit of a worry out there but um, overall I think that uh, you know there's, there's, there's some progress on the uh, bureaucracy um, I wouldn't say it's great progress but there is some steady progress the Indian government is actually recognising the value of tourism, they've got this scheme called the Swadesh Darshan um, tourism scheme which um, identified the different areas that ploughed money into different projects such as eco and coastal and Buddhist tourism all this kind of stuff um, and, um, and there's about 850 million um, US dollar equivalent 60 billion um, rupees. Um, into this this over several years um um, scheme government scheme but that's a recognition i think by the indian government that you know tourism has a key role to play it's a uh, both driving the economy forward and as a an employer in india and you know they're recognizing too the importance of international tourism and getting those international arrivals up and they're targeting actually taking the moment they've got a, they reckon they're gonna be about at one percent this year of the world's international tourism arrivals and they want to get two percent by 2025 um which you know and, and and they're embracing international players as well um they're looking to get about half of um, at the moment something like 47 percent of the tourism and hospitality sector is in the hands of international chains i.e non-indian chains and this it's probably going to grow to about 50 percent in the next couple of years so they are embracing this this um, involvement of the foreign foreign chains etc um, foreign knowledge. so I think that that's going to help develop the the sector in the country um and you know it's it's looking it's looking pretty good i think that's gonna be a long while i think um i want to be um well, i don't think either of us will be around chris um um when india gets to that um, 20 million more hotel no. rooms but uh, it only has to get a little bit along that way for it to have a very big impact
0: as indeed we've seen in china yeah. um,
1: yes um you know um massive. numbers are so
0: large that uh, a small percentage okay. of them makes a, yeah. makes a big difference doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, that's us wrapping up this week. Uh, so thanks for listening, and <laughs> we'll be back again with more next week. Meantime, bye for now.